This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Be introducing our new teaching series that we're beginning today. And before I do that, I just want to say a really big thank you to everybody who was here yesterday for the big spring clean. We had 40 of us. The youngest was, I think, five or six. And I'm not going to disclose the age of our older members. But that didn't stop them getting on the floor and cleaning the skirting boards, let me tell you. It was good fun. We did a fantastic job. And we just want to say a massive, massive thank you to everyone who served yesterday and to everyone who serves on our cleaning team month in, month out. So why don't we give them a massive round of applause? The people who look after and clean our base, our home, we really appreciate it. And while I'm on the subject, Christine did mention that they do have four spaces on the team, which is one Saturday a month. So if you're like, that's me, that could be me, visit reception today. So who's ready for our new series? Fantastic. So in this new series, we are revisiting our vision theme for this year, which is Jesus First. And if you're new to our community, then what we do here at Life Church every year is we focus in on one kind of part of our vision statement each year. And, and we focus in in order to help us achieve our overall vision. And our vision, our purpose, the reason we exist as a church community is to impact our neighbors, our nation, and the nations with the good news about Jesus. In order to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we're about as a community. And each year we focus in, in order to help us achieve that overall vision year on year. And so fully devoted followers of Christ are those who put Jesus first. That's why our theme this year is Jesus first. Fully devoted followers of Christ are those who put Jesus first in every area and every moment of life. Those who those who recognize that he's the name above all names, that he's the firstborn over all creation, that he's the one through whom all things were made and all things hold together, that he's the king above all kings, that he's the image of the invisible God. People who put Jesus first, fully devoted followers, recognize that and then live a life of response, of devotion to who Jesus is. And that's what we're seeking to do this year. And so this new, this new series is called Jesus First Every Day. It's called Jesus First Every Day because full devotion, putting Jesus first, is not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a Thursday evening thing. It's an everyday thing, isn't it? It's an endeavor that lasts a lifetime to put Jesus first every day. And so throughout this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at some some spiritual practices, some spiritual disciplines, if you like, that if we put them into practice, if we put them into place in our lives, if we take responsibility to do these things in our lives, they enable us to put Jesus first every day. And so this morning, at the beginning of this series, we're going to begin with worship. 
we're going to begin looking at the, the practice, the discipline of worship. And I want to start by asking you, what do you think of when you think of worship? Like when you hear the word worship, what words or images come to mind? What memories or feelings come back to you? What do you think of when you think of worship? I'll give you a moment to think, because it is Sunday morning. You might have had a lie-in. Well done. What do you think of when you think of worship? Now, when you think of what you think of when you think of worship, can you do that every day? What you think of when you think of worship, can you do that every day? Can you do that when you are at school or you are at work? Can you do that when you are watching sports? Can you do that when you're spending money? Can you do that when you're with other people? Can you do that when you're resting? Now, if the answer to any of those was no or hmm, not sure, then perhaps there's something wider for us to understand about what it means to worship. Perhaps there's something more for us to discover and to step into day by day about what it means to worship. And hopefully, if that's the case for any of us this morning, hopefully this morning will help us with that. You see, the Bible shows us, the Bible tells us, the Bible makes it clear that worship is meant to be an everyday thing. Not just an 11 a.m. on Sunday when the band strike up, but the worship is meant to be an everyday thing. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will extol the Lord at all times. Now, I don't know what says every day more than at all times. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And um, perhaps like me, extol is not a part of your normal vocabulary. And you're like, it sounds good because it's about God, but what? Extol? It's even a strange word to say. Well, don't worry. If you're not familiar with this word, I headed to dictionary.com just for you this week. This is what extol means. I will extol the Lord at all times. I will praise enthusiastically. I will go into raptures about. I will heap praise on. I will rave about. So I will rave about the Lord at all times. I will heap praises onto God at all times. I will enthusiastically praise at all times. Go into raptures about who God is at all times. Worship is something we are meant to do every day. And so if our understanding of worship isn't something we can do every day, then maybe we need to expand our understanding of worship. So what is worship? And what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack a definition by author and leader Louis Giglio. And for me, it's one I heard years ago and I found so helpful. It's pretty comprehensive I like things that are comprehensive, and I think it will help us this morning. So are you ready? Is anyone else ready? Come on. So worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God 
for who he is and what he has done expressed in and by the things we say and the way that we live. Now, I'm sure some of you were like, that's exactly what came to mind when you said, what do you think of when you think of worship? But this is what we're going to unpack together this morning. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is, for what he has done, expressed in and by the things that we say and the way that we live. So firstly, worship is our response. Worship doesn't begin with us. Like everything else, worship begins with God. Like all of creation, worship begins with God. Genesis 1 verse 1 tells us, doesn't it, in the beginning, God. Like everything else, worship doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. God is the source of worship, not us. And I am so thankful that my worship of God isn't dependent on me whipping something up from inside of me, but that my worship of God is dependent on who he is, of simply responding to who he is. God does his God thing. God is God. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to be God. God is very good at being God. And then we respond. And then we respond to God being God. It starts with him. That's good news. Because in the beginning, God. So in order for, our, in order for us to respond, for worship to be a response, then we need to take time to look at who God is. We need to take time to meditate, reflect, consider who God is. And then if you take a few moments to do that, you won't be able to help yourself. You won't have to force it. It just comes naturally. We can't help but worship when we look at who God is. So I wonder, maybe a question for you to reflect on as we go into this week. Maybe a bank holiday question. If it's raining tomorrow and you can't get out in the garden, when and how do I take time to look at God? When and how do I take time to look at God for who he is? And actually, is there something that is obstructing my view of God? You know, is it like I am looking at God, but the, the glasses are dirty? You know, have you ever had that when, when sunglasses come out for those few days of summer? Sometimes look at my children and I think, what has happened to those glasses? I can actually work out which human being's fingerprints are on there because it's so clearly dirty and mucky. And how can you ever see that? Does, you know, sometimes I wonder if we, we look at God, but we're looking through murky glasses. There's something blurring our view. There's something obstructing our view. There's something getting in the way and we can't just quite see clearly. Well, if worship is our response to God, then we must take time to look at who God is. And time to clean the glasses. There's a question for us to consider. Is there something that is obstructing my view of God? Is there something that is obstructing my view of God? Am I carrying some baggage in this journey called life? Is it affecting how I see God? The good news is that Jesus came to set us free didn't he? Scripture tells us that we can give all our burdens to him. And so if you're carrying baggage today, join the club, but put it down. 
at the foot of the cross of the Savior who sets us free. So that as you look at God, you can see more clearly who he is. Because worship is our response. Both personal and corporate. Both personal and corporate. You know, it's individual and it's collective. And we see this in Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see the people of God gathered together to worship and praise and glorify him. And then we see individuals drawing away from the crowds to spend time in worship and praise and connection with God. And I love that God is the God of the macro and he's the God of the micro. That when God leans in to Life Church Lancashire this morning, he hears one voice of praise. And that moved me this morning, hearing us together singing and praising and worshiping God. But I love that God is God enough that he can hear your voice, that he can hear your praise, that he can hear each individual voice in the midst of us singing with one voice. And he's loving enough that he doesn't mind if it's out of tune. I'm so glad. Not sure if the people around me are. But our words of worship matter to God. Our words of worship matter to God and they matter to you. Your words of worship matter to you. See, God is interested in what you have to say. You are not just someone else to fill a seat. God is interested in you. He's interested in what's in your heart. He's interested in what you're walking through. He's interested in in how you see him. He's interested in connecting with you. Worship is both personal and corporate. And our words of worship matter to God and they matter to us. You see, it changes us. We've heard this a little bit this morning. It changes us when we pour out our worship and our praise. It changes our perspective. It stirs something inside of us. It builds us, doesn't it? Our words of worship, they matter to God and they matter to us. Because worship is both personal and corporate. And you know, it's so powerful, isn't it? When challenges come our way, as they do in this thing called life, When challenges come our way, whether they're they're health or relational, financial, practical, when challenges come our way and we look them square in the eyes, we say, my God is good. My God is faithful. My God is my provider. And he is my healer. And he's generous and he's kind and he's majesty and he's beauty and he's brilliant and he's all things. He's creator and he's sustainer. So whatever I walk through, my God is still good. And that when we look our challenge in the eyes and we declare that, it changes us. It strengthens us. And so our words of worship matter to God and they matter to us. Because it's both personal and corporate. You know, our band are incredible, and they serve and they lead so diligently. And I, over the last few years, I've got to work alongside them, and, and I'm just so humbled by their passion for worship, their passion to lift Jesus high. I'm humbled by their diligence, by the time, the energy, the thought, the consideration that they put in. And I think there's probably some of us here today that if you, if you knew all that they put in, you'd be amazed, you'd be surprised at what goes on behind the scenes. Over the last few years, when I've been working 
with our band, there's been a few times where I have felt the need to tell them that our worship is not their responsibility. That they, whoever stands on this stage on any given Sunday, is not responsible for the worship that comes from each one of us. They're not responsible for my worship, and neither is the sound engineer. They're not responsible for my worship. Only one person is. It's me. My response, both personal and corporate, is my responsibility. And so I love, that our, I love that our band lead us in corporate sung worship. It's so special. And I love that they create space for us where, where we're not using the crafted words that someone has given us. And I'm so thankful for the wordsmiths that put our songs together, those inside this church and those further afield. But they create moments for us where the words pull back and it's over to us. The personal response to who God is. And I want to encourage you to step in in those moments. Maybe you're like, I'm not sure what to say. Worship is our response. So have a look at who God is and then let something come out in response. It may be so quietly, it may be a whisper. It may be like, I can't contain this, this is going to get a little bit loud. It's my response, my personal response, which I am responsible for, of worship. So worship is our response, both personal and corporate. I wonder for you this morning, is there a challenge that you are facing? And honestly, I would guess it's at least half the room that would be saying yes, because that's life, isn't it? That's this wonderful and weird journey we are all on called life. And so I wonder if you're facing a challenge this morning, do you need to remember that something powerful happens when I worship in the middle of my challenge? Do you need to remember that something powerful happens when you worship in the middle of your challenge? You know, recently, I've, right now, I'm, I have a challenge. I have a few, just like most of us, and I am waiting for something, and I'm waiting for that to be a positive outcome. And just recently, I asked some friends to pray, and, and a few of them did what I needed them to do. A few of them reminded me who God is. That in the midst of the challenge, that in the waiting, we rely on a God who is never late. That God is faithful, that he has come through before and he will do it again. And so all I need to do in the waiting is to lift his name high, is to worship, is to allow my response to take responsibility of I will have a personal response of worship because God is always good. The situation has not yet changed, but something grew inside of me when my friends reminded me, like I hope I can remind you if you're walking through a challenge today, that there is something powerful that happens when I worship in the middle of my challenge. So worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God. It's to God. And um, I want to add... To, um, to the definition, but I don't know the author, so this is unofficial, okay? Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God, if you choose. You see, when it comes to worship, we have a choice. There is one thing we can choose and one thing we cannot choose. 
when it comes to worship, there's one thing we can choose and one thing we cannot choose. We cannot choose whether we worship because it is built into the fabric of humanity. To worship is to be human. Humans breathe, eat, sleep, do a few other things and worship. So if you're here this morning and you have breath, then you were made to worship by our creator God. In fact, we see, we see worship in the fabric of all creation. We see it's in our DNA. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Now obviously this is poetic because they don't literally speak. But do you ever look at a starry sky and something stirs within you and something connects you with the creator God? You know that moment when you see the sunset and you're just, you're paused in whatever you are doing because wow, this is what my God is like. The beauty and the brilliance and the splendor and the majesty. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God if we choose. We don't get to choose whether we worship. That choice was made long ago. The question for us is who? Author and leader Louis Giglio puts it like this. You are a worshiper. Every day, all day long, everywhere you go, you worship. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's what you were made to do. Should you, for some reason, choose not to give God what he desires, you'll still worship something. Exchanging the creator for something he has created. Think of it this way. Worship is simply about value. Worship is our response to what we value most. So how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, affection, energy, money, and loyalty. And at the end of the trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is what you worship. Sure, not too many of us walk around saying, I worship my stuff, or I worship this pleasure, or I worship her, or I worship him, I worship my body, I worship me. But the trail never lies. We say we value this thing or that thing more than any other, but the volume of our actions speaks louder than our words. The question for us when it comes to worship is not whether, it's who we worship. And the answer to that question is revealed by what we spend our time, our money, our energy, what we give our highest affection and our loyalty to. So perhaps another question for us to reflect on this bank holiday weekend, who or what is seated on the throne of my life? When I follow the trail of my time, money, energy, affection, loyalty, who do I find seated on the throne? So worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God. For who he is and for what he has done. 
for who he is and for what he has done. It's both of these things. And I don't know about you, but when I begin to consider, I have endless inspiration for worship. When I begin to consider who God is and what he has done, I think I'm going to be here all day. And it's so important that it's both of these things together, that it's who he is, it's his nature and his character, and it's what he has done. It's his activity at work in our lives as individuals and as a community right here and right now and throughout all of human history. We have so much to give him praise for, for who he is and for what he has done. And it's so important that we hold these two things together. I think if we begin to focus only on what he's done then we're in danger of just approaching God like a consumer. What can you give for me? What can you do for me? And if, we, if, we, if our, woke, our worship is only focused on who he is, then we're in danger of missing that he's at work in our lives, that he's the God who cares about our lives, that he's with us and he's close and he's speaking, that he's always at work. And so it's both of these things together for who he is, for what he has done. Sometimes I find myself overthinking. You know, wow, that was amazing. Was that God? Or did that just happen? I, I don't know if anyone else has kind of lost yourself in a, in a kind of rabbit hole. of was, but, but I didn't pray. So was that God? Or I did pray and it, it happened quicker. It happened before I even prayed. So was that God or did it just happen? And then I came across James 1 verse 17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above from the Father of the heavenly lights, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. That every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our heavenly Father, who doesn't change like the things that shift in our lives. And so I decided I'm not going to waste any more of my thought energy on, was that God or how did that work? I've decided that every good and perfect gift is from above. So if I see something good, I've got God to praise, who's the source of all that is good, because he doesn't change. He's always good. And so if worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and what he's done, we're going to be doing this for a long time. Because there is so much. Because he has done so much. And it's expressed in and by the things that we say and the way that we live. You might have noticed that although I've spoken a little bit about our band and when we've worshipped together this morning, we have, we have sung together. There's no mention of singing or music or songs in this definition. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God, expressed for who he is and what he's done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way that we live. There's no mention of singing or music. So shall we throw it out? What do you think? Or does it have a part to play? It absolutely has a part to play in the things that we say. Doesn't it? In giving us language to express praise. You know, there's something so wonderful about music because it is made by our wonderful God. I don't know about you, but there's something for me, like when I hear a bass drum, I'm like, yes, I hear something of God. I don't, maybe that's just me and the drummers. I don't know, but something stirs in me of the strength and the power of who God is. And so music has this really important part to play. And singing together in one voice is so powerful. It's so powerful. You would have experienced this if you go to see live sport. 
sweet Caroline, whoa, 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 doesn't even make sense unless you are the man who wrote it for his wife. But somehow singing that together unites us and stirs us. You know, I remember a few years ago, I spent a week visiting some friends in a country where it is problematic to be open about the fact that you are a Christian, where church was heavily regulated and controlled by the government, where evangelism was an absolute no-no, and where during that week, I couldn't say things that I normally say, like Jesus, or mission, or church. And I arrived back in St. Manchester Airport on a Friday morning in the early hours. And um, I was tired, I was jet-lagged. I was a bit emotional because it had been a really fantastic and an eye-opening week. I had a bizarre encounter with Cliff Richard, who is my childhood hero. Actually, actually he's, still, he's still my hero. You can join my fan club. And I made it just in time just in time to get to the primary school assembly at our girls' school. And it was the Friday before Easter. And I'd already said I was emotional. And that's okay, because God did not make us robots, did he? And here I am, kind of just the emotional roller coaster I'd been on, the sense of fear that I might say the wrong word and put my friends in danger. That was tough just for a week. And then I come back, I'm sat on these tiny primary school chairs. If you've ever been a parent at primary school assembly, you're like, I'm an actual adult. Why am I on this? And all the children are sat there, 110 little faces, really cute, except for the year sixes, who are now too cool for school. And they began to sing their Easter songs in one voice. And they began to sing about the chicks and the bunnies. And they began to sing about Jesus dying on the cross. And honestly, it took everything in me to hold back the tears. I did a little bit better than I'm doing right now. But I didn't have to speak. That's a game changer, right? And just to see the joy and the freedom of these children singing the Easter story to this like slightly cheesy but quite fun backing track was just overwhelming. And yes, I'd had an unusual week. But it reminded me of the power when we sing with one voice about who God is. And so worship and singing and music and doing that together has an important part to play in what it means to respond to God about who he is and what he's done. And that is why our incredible band works so hard. But it's just the corporate things we say bit. It's over to us in terms of the personal and corporate way that we live in terms of the way that we live. Because we express our worship to God through the way that we serve others. 
We express our worship to God in relationship with others through, through doing good to others, through serving others, through the decisions that we make. We can approach our school and our work with a worship mindset that all of this is for the glory of God. That it's every day. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation, and the nations with the good news about Jesus.